Hey there, Crosswinds family and friends. Welcome to Crosswinds Unleashed. Each week, we're dedicated to bringing the best stories and biblical life principles from authentic believers. Our podcast breaks down the Christian life through interviews and practical instruction in what we hope will be a fun and accessible way. I'm Craig Cooper, the host of this podcast and lead pastor of Crosswinds Church. Uh, each time, I'd like to get a shout out to Elijah Merrill, our producer, and Sheldon Boyce, our assistant producer. And once again, uh, David Wright stepping in to produce this one and be a part of it so that Elijah Merrill could be here in studio. Uh, if you want to learn more about this podcast or anything Crosswinds, let me encourage you to go on over to our website at crosswinds.church. Elijah, uh, thank you so much for being in studio and being a part of this podcast. Absolutely. Good to be back. And Ryan, thanks for uh, being a part of the second part of the David podcast, uh, doing these two with us. Happy to be here. Well, if you didn't hear the first one, you may want to uh, sort of put the pause button on this one and head on over to that one as we sort of set the stage on why we're doing a character study in David's life in particular. Uh, but what we're going to spend some time now is just talking about David a little bit, walking through sort of his story as we have uh, as we're doing in this series. And and I think we'll just jump in on the highlights that we're we're actually focusing in on this series. There's much that could be said about David, so much that could be said about David that that one series would not be enough. Six messages certainly doesn't do justice to his entire life, but we tried to pick um, six six incidences in his life, six scenarios in his life um, that would allow us to get not, not just a flavor for who David was, but some key truths for us to apply to our life. And when we first find David, he's a shepherd. In fact, it's, it's an interesting story. The prophet goes to, to find a, a king to anoint, he goes to the house of Jesse, and, and and David's not even there. Like the other, he has many sons, but and all the other brothers are there, and, and uh, he's out in the fields. Like when the father calls the sons and knows that one of his sons is going to be anointed as king, he he just doesn't think it's going to be David. He's the youngest, right? From what we know, and, and so he's he's sort of out there, and and as the prophet goes and and tries to. Uh, figure out which one God wants to anoint. He realizes God says, he's not the one. He's not the one. He's not the one. He's not the one. He finally looks at Jesse and says, hey, look, do you have any other sons? Because none of these are the one who's going to be king. And Jesse goes, oh, yeah, there is David. <laughs> and he brings David in. He's, he's, he becomes the anointed king. And it's interesting. He's anointed as king, but he doesn't become king for many years. Uh, he, he, he doesn't. So he knows he's going to be king. And, and in many ways, he, he sort of has that position, right? That anointing, you are king, but you're not king yet. Yeah. And, and and as I think about that, I think, you know, I think we can all relate to sort of looking at the trajectory of our life and thinking that the time that we spend as as shepherd, all that preparation time, you know, wow, this is taking too long. This this isn't this isn't all this fun, all that fun. But when you hear of the things that 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 David did as shepherd, you realize they prepared him to be king. Mm -hmm. You know, in particular, I think, and and we could sort of uh, bleed into the week, Ryan, where you're speaking on the giant killer, David and Goliath. You know, when he's standing before Saul and trying to talk Saul, who's a, who's now is the king, mm -hmm. right? He's the existing king on the throne, uh, trying to convince him, no, no, let me fight Goliath, you know? And David's not a warrior in the sense of he's not even part of his army. Yeah. He's a shepherd boy who was coming to bring a meal to his brothers. And, and uh, he says, listen, when I was a shepherd, I, I defeated, 
you know, this animal who was, atta- who was attacking the sheep. He says, I, I grabbed it by its beard. And, you know, uh, so he says, you know, I, I did this valiant thing, um, not as a warrior, but as a protector of sheep. And, of course, it gives a lot of imagery to him becoming a king and, and, and all those things. But, but at that moment, you know, you realize, wow, God did this as he was a shepherd to prepare him for the giant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because some people say, "Well, the giant's scary enough," but he's like, "Well, dude, I, I did this with a wild beast." Yeah, and I'll I'll take down this wild beast of a man. So not only was it he was getting prepped for the battle, his faith was being prepped. Yeah, way back during the what we would call that that um that preparatory period of being shepherd before he's a, a king. Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think of when I think of the giant killer. I'm super excited that you asked me to do that message, but like I. I always I I was thinking about him. I don't and we do we know the age he was when, when he's he, a sh- when he's fighting when, yeah Goliath. Uh, no, we don't know the exact yeah. age, but we know he's young. Yeah, so I think of like just an average. Uh, we'll say between nine and fourteen. Yeah, he's know. probably in his teen years. Yeah. Going up to Saul and like pitching this idea. Like no, none of his none of Saul's armies wants to fight this dude. They're like, I don't know, this guy's a big dude. And no one's been able to feed him. And he's trying to bid his way. And Saul the whole time is like, hey, no shot, man. And even I think of the imagery of like him putting on the armor and him picking up the weapon, barely, not even really even being able to pick up the weapon because all of it's so heavy. And then David throws out the, well, you know, when I was a shepherd boy. Yeah, this is what I did. You know, this is what I did. And not necessarily that... That may have not really changed much, but like that's a whole different perspective that you that we've added on to David's life of how God has prepared him to face just and we we say it just to face a giant in his life, and in this case it was a giant, a giant. <laughs> but you know, I'm sure when he saw that beast attacking his sheep, he was like, "Holy smokes! I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it." Um, and so I love that imagery in that because at the end of the day, David probably wasn't able to defeat that beast by himself. God right. helped him through that. Right, absolutely. Um, and and so on with with David or with Goliath. And so there's so much other stuff too that he's he's facing. But I just love that whole like, dude, you can't even put on the armor. You can't even pick up the weapon. How like how do you even think? You're gonna do that, so I think that I, I love I love that message. That was the first. I mean, that's the first story that I've I ever I'll say Sunday school story that was ever taught to me. Right, was David versus Goliath, and so there's well, a, what's interesting to me is it, it's not that David, like you're right. I mean, he he does point back and say, "Look, I was able to do this. I'll take this guy down too," but it's because he's trusting in the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's going back to that. In fact, when, in that particular county, he's quite amazed at the fact that no one else has stepped up. Yeah. He's like, you know, this this Philistine is coming out and he's calling out the people of Israel, basically. And, and in doing so, it's not just like he's calling out the nation or he's, he's not simply calling out individuals. He's calling out the God of Israel, the one yeah. true God. And, and this Philistine is basically saying, my God's greater than your God, just like I'm greater than each of you. Mm-hmm. And when David hears this, I mean, he's outraged. He's like, what are you kidding me? Our God is God, right? Yeah. And, and, and you're, 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 you're not understanding. And, and then he's like, like totally 
takes them back, but no one else is going to stand up for God. Not that God needs anyone to defend him, but it was just in those days that this was a common a common thing mm-hmm. that that one way they would they would determine who would who would win because they wanted to save manpower was to have a champion fight another champion. He's yeah. like, there's not a champion here who's willing to stand up for the for for our God, yet alone the nation of Israel. More importantly, our God. Yeah. And he's like, I'll do it. Yeah. And then, and then they tried to have him fight the way that they would. Yeah. You know, here, put on my armor, mm-hmm. and the armor doesn't fit. It's it's not that David can't wear armor. Later, he probably right. does wear armor. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know. But at the time, it doesn't fit. And he's like, this isn't the way I fight. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get some stones and I'm gonna put them in a sling and I'm gonna I'm gonna take off this giant's head. Yeah, and he does. Which he which does. by the way, some people hear that straight like, oh man, that's like a graphic story. You know, I don't know about me and any 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 people who are wired out to be like, I'd love that part of the story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you knock him out with a stone between his eyes. What are you gonna do? Just pat him on the belly? Yeah, and be yeah. Like, You're he, done. He just takes the head, man. He's like, hey, he's done. Well, and, you gotta you know, prove it. Yeah, 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 yeah. He might just be unconscious. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's done. He's done. Yeah. And it says that the Philistines flee. I mean, you yeah. know, and then, of course, the, the They're afraid because of their, of, of yeah, they yeah. believe that his God, his defeated, God is yeah, defeated. It's his not God. just two fighters. They understood that, that his God defeated their false God. Yeah, and, that, was, uh, that, was, that was a revelation to me. I was like, oh, they're not afraid. In that moment, they're not afraid of David. No, because they outnumber David. If they're yeah. just going out to get him, they, they, they could do they that. They were running in terror of, holy smokes. Yeah, this is God's... This their, is their God. God is God. Yeah. Like, their God just they proved They were afraid himself. of that power. I also, I also think uh, a, a profound theme in this story, and even even just in in these early stages of, his, of David's life and even into the later, is just the, the confidence that he had in the profound calling and anointing that God had put on his life. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at and you you were talking about this Craig in the in the beginning is it's like um he he was anointed as king but wasn't king yet. And so these things were preparing him for that moment and when we compare it to our own lives sometimes sometimes when we're younger and we're experiencing things and going through things we often don't think about them as well, this is preparing me for later, you know? And then even there can be people in our lives at those early stages that say, you know, that don't even talk about what you could be in the future. They say, well, why don't you too young? Don't worry about that, you know, or your whatever. And here comes David who has such confidence in his, in God and the anointing that he's put on his life that despite people tr- like telling him you're crazy for doing this you you're not even going to wear the armor like all the, these these voices telling him I don't understand what you're doing david is coming at it from the perspective of well god has anointed me and called me to this and i'm you know, why wouldn't why wouldn't any of you who he's calling us to live and serve such a god why wouldn't any of you you know you know go and defend him and do this thing and so he carries with him this confidence despite the things that around him telling him opposite, you know? Yeah. One of the most beautiful friendships uh, described in Scripture is this friendship that um, David has with with actually Saul, the king, his son Jonathan. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting relationship because Jonathan would have succeeded his father, and yet Jonathan comes to realize that David is going to be the anointed mm-hmm. king, and yet they keep this friendship. Um, Saul at that time hasn't made a decision to pursue to kill David, 
Um, but he has thrown a spear at him. Yeah. Uh, you know, David finally realizes, man, he, he's out to kill me. And Jonathan's put in this terrible situation where I want to honor my dad, but I need to honor this friendship too. And, and he navigates that in, in such, a, uh, such a wonderful way. And, and we see this friendship where, the, where, they, where you know, their last sort of meeting together, where, where Jonathan realizes, no, my, my dad has lost it, and he is trying mm-hmm. to kill you, um, where he makes this sort of commitment to David, and David makes this commitment to him. It, it, it's just a beautiful picture of selfless friendship. Mm-hmm. And I think it speaks to the true power that walking alongside someone in their journey well, I think it speaks to the power that it can't be done alone, first of all. But at the end of the day, like the commitment that was made between Jonathan and David, I think it trumped a lot of things. You know, I mean, Jonathan had to just come out and say, like, my dad is crazy. Yeah, yeah. And like, I, I'm, I realize that I still love my father, but you need to know that I got your back. Yeah. And. I, I, man, that's something that culture has lost. I really do think is this the and the series title I'll spoil is or the this message title is called Band of Brothers. Is that thought process of whatever I'm going through? I know I'm going through it, and if you're a believer, you're going through it with God, and He's He's right alongside you. But to have someone else, um, and and this specific you know example is it's the best friend. It's what you would be called a brother. So I have I have many of those, and many of those friends that I would consider brothers have benefited my walk with God and strengthened it, and just given me an opportunity to lean on that person. and And in this instance, like I, I I'm trying to put myself in Jonathan's feet or in Jonathan's shoes. He's like, Dude, my friend David's supposed to be the king. Like he's supposed to be that guy yeah. that God has called, and my dad doesn't want him to do that. And, and Jonathan so, was supposed to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Jonathan's taking this— so There's a lot there. This, like, he has to—and I'm trying to think—I'm trying to think if, like, David could say, well, you know, God's anointed me to Jonathan, but Jonathan has to come to his own realization that God's anointed him. Yeah. Like God didn't come to Jonathan and say, Hey, I anointed him by the way. Like he's just gotta see it. He's just yeah. gotta he's witnessing it. And that's hard. That's gotta be hard. Because he knows what's in store, what's in what would be in line for him. Mm-hmm. But he's like, I don't that's Yeah, it's just it. this friendship. And mm-hmm. and of course that 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 last um conversation with David and Jonathan there uh really sends David on this on this long uh uh, Trek, if you will, as a fugitive. I mean, he's a man on the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saul is after him. Um, David eventually, uh, his leadership gift is evident to other people who are outsiders, if you will, and, and this unlikely crew uh, begin to come alongside him. But you know, it's one thing to go back to to the preparation time, but God's preparing him here too. And I want to be careful because not only is He preparing him, He's using him. Yeah. So it's not like, like, like we're always in a preparation stage. We're always in a preparation stage for that next thing God has for us while he's using us in that stage. And I think, you know, sometimes we see that prep and we think in between time, and there's really no in between times. 
God is constantly preparing us and using us, you know. Um, but he's in this stage where he's 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 a fugitive, um, you know. And I just wonder, you know, put ourselves in, in David's shoes. There, he knows he's been anointed as king, but he's not in a kingly place. Like he's hiding out. He has to go to his enemies. He ends up serving his enemies in order to hide from Saul, the Philistines, the same Philistines who he killed the giant, yep. who was a Philistine. He's now serving the Philistines. He's a servant of the Philistines for a while. Um, you know, I just, when I look at that, I can remember times in my life where I felt sort of like a fugitive, where I felt like things aren't going the way that I thought they were. I, I'm not really um, noticing God's hand at this moment. Um, I know he's there. I know he's working, but, you know, and this, that, and the other thing. And David definitely went through that period as well. Yeah. I, I think what's also encouraging to me, going back to his, his friendship with Jonathan, is is uh, Mephibosheth, who, who's Jonathan's son, and there's a whole story mm-hmm. uh, tied in to how David reconnects with this guy. But David invites Mephibosheth, who has a lame leg. He's dropped mm-hmm. as a child, has this lame leg. And he, he invites him to sit at his table. And it's just sort of this, this, this outstanding picture of grace, right? Mm-hmm. It's like David understands grace from God. He understands this. And, and in fact, he reconnects with Mephibosheth by saying, is there anyone from the line of Jonathan that I can just show uh, love to? And here's this lame guy, you know, who's who's there. And, you know, David doesn't see him as less. He sees him as someone who should be loved and cherished and mm-hmm. And God, God looks at us that way. He yeah. doesn't see us as as having disabilities or, or those type of things. Uh, he sees us as being whole in His yeah. eyes. And David, I think you know when I think of him welcoming to the table, I think of all the people sitting around there. You know, Solomon with his books, and you know the whole the whole crew. You have the you know the these warriors at the table, and and, and here comes Mephibosheth uh, coming to that same table. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes how we see ourselves could be like maybe those who are looking from the outside saw Mephibosheth, and yet to me I see a powerful picture of what God does, and he calls all of us to his table. Yeah. And I love how he calls, how David asks, is there anyone? Yeah. Is there anyone that I can love? Because that is, in turn, God is asking us, you know, come to my table, come take a seat at my table. But he's also asking us, hey, is there... Is there anybody in your life that you think may also? I want them to come to my table. Is there anybody that you could help yeah. walk alongside of to the table? And I love, I love that because we all have not just ourselves, but we all have people in our lives too that we know maybe they haven't realized that there's a seat at the table for them. Um, and maybe it just comes down to the point that, like David said, like. Is there any opportunity that I can love on someone or even show grace to or even, you know, in this in this moment, I don't I find myself I don't necessarily ask that question all the time to myself. Like, is there anyone like coming in on a Sunday morning or going to or wherever I'm serving or even going out into my community? Is there anyone that God wants me to love on today? Is there um, who, who do you who do you make sure there's an open seat for? Yeah. And that's man, that's that's powerful because I, I've come to the terms like I'm excited to be at that table. I'm excited. Uh, um, yeah, I want to be at the king's table. Yeah, and if I'm excited about that, to carry that excitement to other people, you know, I don't know. I, I love that. I love that imagery. 
you know, I guess as we sort of wrap up with David, there's so much more that we could talk about with his life. But one of the one of the accounts that sort of uh, ranks up there with with David and, and Goliath as far as people maybe mm-hmm. knowing the story, even if they're not very familiar with the Bible, is David and Bathsheba. Yeah, uh, you know, and and we won't go into it and and uh, you know real deep as far as the story itself, but but it's a story of, of brokenness and restoration where David makes some really horrible decisions. Yeah. I mean, an understatement. Um, he's called out on it by a prophet, um, and when he sees his the error of his ways, you know that that's where he he repents, he pleads with God for forgiveness. Um, he says he says something that's really. Um, was something I had to really work through because he says, against you and you alone have I sinned to God. Mm. And, and and I'll be honest with you, that bothered me for a while because I thought, well, you sinned against this person and that person and that person. And then what I realized is is David, David just understood ultimately that all of us are flawed, that God is perfect, that God had showed him this perfect love, and, 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 and he had really dishonored the Lord above everyone yeah. else. And he asked God for forgiveness. He asked God to to continue to to be close to him, even though he knows he made decisions that drew drew him away from that closeness with God. And again, the reason why he's known after God's own heart is because he he desperately wanted to be in a, in God's own heart, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and it's just to me, how many of us have experienced that the the this the joy of moving from broken to restored. Mm-hmm. And, and, and how many maybe are listening to this who haven't, but I want to let you know in Christ you can. Yeah. And it's that, ex- it's that experience. We talk a lot, of, uh, a lot of times about the experience that we have with that. And I know all, all of us here are, are aware of CR and we know what CR can do. In celebrate the free, recovery. Celebrate recovery. Here at the church, yeah. And what freedom that that can bring. But I can say I've been through a 12-step. And it wasn't, I didn't, ex, I didn't experience the freedom from that, doing that un, until well after the fact that I was in the 12 step, because I, I had heard the experiences of other people, but I had yet to experience it myself. But once that happened, because of my going back to God and be like, whoo, I'd not do what you wanted me to do there. I didn't take it seriously at all. I didn't do it wasn't until that moment that the experience came of coming from brokenness and allowing yourself to be broken and coming out of it into restoration. It wasn't until that moment where I was like, holy smokes, I'm, I'm getting it now. I'm, I'm got it. And I love it because David had seen everything that God had been doing in his life up until this moment. He experienced it. He experienced defeating Goliath. He experienced the power of God. But he walked into this moment with Bathsheba with spiritual blindness, and he didn't – he was just so tone-deaf to what was going on mm. and did it and did it. And I think we've all been in the moment where we just did it. We did it. And we made a mistake, and what do we do after that? And we can really take the restoration that David went in with of saying – or the brokenness that David went in with and saying, whoo. I did it. Well, you know, I think I think for for I think it's human nature. I guess I'll say it that way, or maybe it's just uh, common among us as people um, to to think that brokenness is the end. Mm-hmm. 
And for God, brokenness is like the beginning. Like you come yeah. to him with that brokenness and he He restores us. He brings us to a place that that only he can. And, and so to me, the remarkable thing is that, you know, whether we're looking at David or just the gospel, you know, that Jesus came uh, to seek and save, he says, the lost, you know, and, and people say, well, I'm not lost. I don't feel it. No, if you don't know Jesus, you're lost. Yeah. And, and he came to seek and save, you know, that that's the God we have. He, he's not just waiting for us. He's seeking us. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, when we receive Christ as Lord and Savior, um, sometimes that seems like, like the scripture is so, so amazing because it's, it says, if you seek me, you'll find me. But what we know in scripture is he says, well, I loved you first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He sought us first. And, and so it's just this interesting, um, beautiful, interesting picture in scripture of just brokenness isn't the end unless we allow it to be. And a teaser, he, when we say as an understatement of how broken he was. Oh, he's broken. He's broken. Yeah. Uh, he did some crazy stuff yeah. that I think a lot of people would say, would use that and say, I'm too bad to come. He's done. I'm done. I can't, yeah. I, I can't step foot in a, I'll just use, I can't step foot in the church. Yeah. I'm too bad. God can't use me. Yeah, here you go. When people tell me, you don't know what I've done, you know, you go to David and say, well, David was an adulterer. He was a murderer. Mm-hmm. I know what he David He was a liar. Did. He was a deceiver. You know, these. this is how the depth of David's mm-hmm. brokenness, yeah. the depth of David's brokenness, and God restores he, him. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, yeah, I love it. Well, there's so much that we could say about the life of David, and, and even in the series, we're just touching the tip of the iceberg. We're trying to take those accounts which are, which are sort of... Um, yeah, very noteworthy, but there's so many other noteworthy uh, mm. parts of David's life. And so my hope is is that through this series, that not only will people be mentored by David, but they'll get a taste and say, I got to dig deeper in, into David's life. I, and more importantly, to dig deeper into David's life so that God can use him to mentor us mm-hmm. so we can draw closer to God. Um, and, and, and that's what we do when we, when we look at this life of David. And so as we wrap up, we'll go around the circle here. Ryan, you can start us out and mm-hmm. I'll close us. And Eliza, since there's three of us, you'll probably be the one in the middle. <laughs> um, final thoughts, final words to anyone who's out there listening to us. Yeah, I think, you know, over the course of this series, you're going to get, let's see, one, two, three hours of David's story. Uh, maybe more, maybe less. And you touched on it that there is so much more to to David's story. And I'll speak not just in terms of this series, but anything that you hear on a Sunday is that's not all. Right. Like that's not it. Um, there's so much more that I, I, I'm sure I can speak for a lot of us. If we if you want to stay here for four hours, five hours a weekend, we would love to just dig into scripture and dig into all this. But at the end of the day, like there's so much that we can present or even go through on a Sunday morning that, you know, maybe you don't know or maybe you've never gotten the opportunity to know or how to do it outside of a Sunday morning. We would love to have conversations with you. I mean, we're, we're about how to study scripture. About how own. to study scripture. How to hook up with a small group mm-hmm. so you can actually dig deeper into some of these things. Because at the end of the day, like we do only get a handful of opportunities throughout the year, hourly wise, to have a conversation with you 
and kind of share with you kind of what God's laying just on the, the the culture and the temperature of crosswinds. And so, you know, if you have those questions, you'd be like, man, I love Sundays. How can I get more of this? Well, we, we would love to help you with that. Absolutely. We would love to help you with that. Elijah? Yeah, I would just say, you know, I am... I'm super excited about this series um, because just as we've unpacked with these brief, you know, little recaps of these stories with him is, um, is that God, God continued to show David just such an immense amount of love and goodness and his promises and faithfulness. And um, I think, I think David continued to be a man after God's own heart because he experienced some of those things and 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 had this and had this strong enough relationship with God to know um that he is real and he's calling me to these things and um despite the mistakes that I'm making he continues to love me and continues to to show me and I think it's just a powerful unpacking of just one story, one man in scripture and all these different experiences that he had. It's just a way that we can look at someone's life who has experienced so many different things, done so many good things, but done so many ultimately bad things and how God continues to use that person and continues to love them and show them and say, I have so much in store for you Hmm. and so much of a future for you and for the generations that you're going to bring. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even stop with you. There's, there's, you have no idea. You know, I can just imagine God saying, you have no idea how much life change is going to come through you and through your faithfulness to recognize your brokenness and to say, I'm going to, I recognize where I'm at and I'm turning over to God. And, um, I'm just, I'm incredibly excited, uh, to see even what comes out of this series, um, you know, in the people that get to hear it. Yeah, I just encourage everyone to to, to take a part and uh, participate in this series. And I say participate because you're not just a passive listener. Uh, as we as we study these scriptures, uh, you're given the opportunity to allow the Spirit of God to to teach you um, some insights for your own life. And as you, uh, those of you who are in small groups who are going through the sermon based studies, you know you can you can dig deeper together and and share what God's teaching you in the midst of these things. And that's the beautiful thing of doing life in community is we get to we get to study God's word together, we get to grow together, we get to wrestle with it together. And uh, his spirit is so uh, faithful to to help us know what we need to know when we need to know it, when we're putting ourselves in a place to learn. And so I, I just encourage us all to continue to put ourselves in a place to learn and uh, allow allow God to mentor us through David. That mm-hmm. may be even a better way of saying it. We're mentored by David, sort of by his story, but more importantly, we're mentored by the divine mentor mm-hmm. um, through David. And so I hope you're a part of the series. And as always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you want to learn more about this podcast or Crosswinds Church, again, go to crosswinds.church. You can communicate with us there. If you have some questions uh, about what Ryan was even talking about as far as how to study scripture for yourself. We have some material we'd love to give you. And uh, if you need to set up a time to talk to someone a little further about anything, um, reach out to us and and we'd love to connect with you. Uh, As always, though, thank you for listening and be blessed and bless others. Mm